Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Brace yourself, Gordon, for the most obvious breaking news ever. You ready? Uh Uh-huh. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired Brett Brown, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So the process process didn't work, huh? Okay, I have so many thoughts on what's going on in Philadelphia. We've got to do an overall NBA segment uh, or two at some point today. Because what's going on in the NBA right now is nothing short of fascinating. And the irony in some of these situations is absolutely unbelievable, including in Philadelphia, where it is a complete disaster. Did you see that uh, the uh, Vegas odds were rather high on uh, on Greg Popovich coaching the, the Nets next year? You know, do you really see Popovich doing that? Because I, I, I don't. I expect so, but he, he kind of took advantage of a great situation when he, who was the coach he fired? Uh, was it Bob Hill? Yes, Brian Hill. Bob Hill? Was it Brian? That was Bob. Well, make but, your point. Anyway, he, uh, you know, he took advantage of that situation. That worked out very well for him. But obviously, he's a terrific coach. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it if I were him. But that's me. Um, I just don't know if I'd be in a hurry to coach uh, Bob Hill. You were right. I, I don't know if I'd be in a hurry to coach Kyrie Irving. Hmm, that's true. But they're, <laughs> you know the Nets are going to be – I would expect them to be pretty darn good next year with everybody. Yeah, I got it. But, you know, coaching Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, the the <laughs> the, the – level of maintenance of those two players compared to specifically Kyrie, but KD has has shown himself to be a little high maintenance too. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem... Plus, you know, Greg's not uh, the youngest guy in the world. That's true. So I don't don't know if I see that, but you know, this sort of thing is is usually not coming from nowhere, and if if Brooklyn wants to back up the Brinks truck and say, listen, Greg, we're gonna we're gonna pay you a during fortune, then maybe he doesn't. That would be downright Phil Jacksonian, wouldn't it? Right. Like, why would Phil Jackson ever take the Knicks president of basketball operations job? I mean, that just seems like career suicide. Oh, yeah, let me. How much are you going to pay him? <laughs> okay, I <laughs> get it now. Year, I right? get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Got to pay for that. Got to pay for that place out in uh, out at the beach. I thought he was a Montana guy. He is, Bill. but he he used to have a place down. Uh, I forget the name. Oh, of the this town. is a Southern California thing. Mm-hmm. The the three oh two to the whatever, whatever. <laughs> All right. To the twelve twenty four. Let's get to our brilliant. Let's next get out guest, to the T Mobile special guest line. T Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, you see him on the jazz broadcast. Former jazz man himself. He is Matt Harping with us here on the big show. Matt, hi, how are you? How is uh how's the family? Everybody doing all right? Hey guys, yeah, I'm good. Uh family's doing pretty good. So we're all hanging in and making the best of a kind of a hard situation for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great to hear. Uh, let's talk a little basketball. I mean, you've got to be impressed with what the Jazz are doing in this series, I assume. 
Yeah, very. Um, I, I am, you know, going into the bubble without bogey, I, I thought they might struggle a little bit offensively, uh, but they just have seemed to get it together and have not missed a beat as far as shooting the ball. I, you know, we all saw the first couple games and said, uh-oh, this is going to be trouble, and they have trouble scoring, and they're not making shots. Um, it might have been the best thing for them, uh, not making those shots in those games because they've been just shooting at a blistering pace since then. Um, it's just when you watch in this matchup against Denver, particularly, I just haven't seen through four games a defense that you say, oh, oh if Denver does this, the Jazz are going to be in trouble. Um, I, I just – everything is working. I think Quinn Snyder's done a brilliant job of game planning, finding open shots, finding quality looks. Uh, it, there's a lot of wide-open shots. I mean, I'm blown away with how many wide-open looks they're getting in a playoff game. But uh, it's a credit to the offense, credit to moving the ball and being unselfish. So, Matt, I, I, tell me if I'm up in the night on this, because as I watch the players on the court, there seems to be a body language to them that just exudes confidence. There's no hesitation when they shoot, and I'm talking about the greater number of them, but especially guys like Conley and, and Mitchell and, uh, and Clarkson, and others too, where they just – you can look at the way you can look at their body movements and think they think the next shot's going in. Am I am I imagining this, or do you see that too? No, I, I totally see it. I, I think of two reasons why. For me, you know, when you have your best player Donovan just playing out of his mind the way he is, it kind of brings everyone along. I mean, he comes to the bench, he's happy, he's excited, and you know, he's you could just see the confidence coming from him. And I think it just is shared. And then Clarkson comes in and he's getting buckets and. Next thing you know, it just becomes contagious and around. And I think the other, my other point would be, you know, not having a crowd is a, is a huge difference. You know, a lot of these guys, when you play in the NBA, you play in gyms just like this. I mean, this is how they practice. They play. They play pickup games. There's no crowd. And it's easier to shoot in pickup games than when there's no crowds and uh, when you're in gyms like they are right now than it is when you're in Denver and you're trying to make shots when there's the crowd is all over you and you're, you know, it's a close game, you're coming down the stretch. Um, I just think shooting across the board is up. I think it's beneficial for the Jazz and young players and guys that haven't been in the playoffs in a long time, the role players, are getting helped by this because um, it's hard. Usually the playoffs are hard to go to the other team's uh, team and, and try to play in front of their crowd. It, it, it's you know, you know when people come to when teams come to Utah, how difficult it is. They say it year after year how hard it is to play in Utah uh, with the fans. And so, you know, I think with the bubble, you just don't have that. So these guys, once you get rolling, it's it's hard to stop. I mean, you just feel good all game. What do you think about uh, Denver's defense? Because it seems like they've thrown everything at the Jazz and nothing has worked. Yeah, you know, I. I I don't think it's good, and it wasn't good heading into the bubble, right? They were struggling in the bubble. I think they were ranked last in defense uh, of rating, and you know they were trying. They were getting by by outscoring you, so they were they were fifth best in offensive rating, but worst in defensive rating. So I think they thought in the playoffs they were just going to outscore uh, whoever they played, and that was going to be their game plan. But that's not the way playoff basketball works. You got you got to defend when you're in the playoffs, and um, you know I, I'm a little shocked why Denver hasn't pulled out a defense like what teams do against James Harden. You know, you're just getting the ball out of his hands. And then you're making Rudy Gobert be the decision maker and not the guards of Conley and Mitchell. You know, when, they about, when they're about to use Gobert as the screen, I'm surprised we haven't seen just a full-out blitz, a pre-blitz uh, before the pick happens to where Donovan's got to throw it 
to Gobert because then you deny the other two wings and then Gobert's the only guy open. Then you're forcing Gobert to make the decisions. Um, I'm, I'm just shocked that, that, that Denver hasn't put Utah in that position yet, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe game five. When you have the guys shooting from the perimeter the way the Jazz have been last night, what was it, 14 of 29 from behind the arc? And that's just that, – that not only does that tear the heart out of a defense, but then you lob the ball into Gobert and have him either dunk it on your head or else have a layup right there at the rim. That one-two yeah. punch is, 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 is devastating. Right. And the way they're playing, exactly. I mean, if they're going to play a drop big with Jokic, who's not a great defender – um, and they're going to keep him in the paint. I mean, basically you're giving Donovan Mitchell, who's the hardest guard, one of the hardest guards to guard in a one-on-one situation, a downhill run right into a seven-footer that doesn't move his feet well. I mean, that's not going to end well if you're Denver. Um, so, the, and Donovan's been feeling it. Uh, he comes off that pick. Gobert sets a nice screen. Jokic is kind of in no man's land, and then he does his thing. Uh, they try to switch up a couple times. They do a soft double. They've done a hard double a couple times. Um, but Donovan's gotten so good at reading defenses now. And not only Donovan, but Mitchell, I mean, excuse me, Conley, Clarkston, Ingles. The Jazz have a nice array of, of guys that can play make and make good decisions. And so when you, when you say, okay, we're going to leave the weak side open and come over and help, well, you're kind of hoping in that kind of defense that the Jazz don't find that open guy. And that's what they're so well prepared that they're finding that open guy. And those open guys are knocking down shots. Matt Harpering is with us, and Matt, it's easy to kind of picture what a locker room is like when a team's up 3-1 in a series, uh, you know, because winning feels pretty good. But what's it like to be in a locker room down 3-1? What's Denver going through right now? It's hard. It's <laughs> there. You know why it's hard is, is, you know, I felt after game one they had some confidence, but there was also finally a, a, maybe some doubt, too. I really think they came into the series wanting Utah. I think they came like, okay, if we can pick any one of these eight teams, who do we want to play? And they were like, let's play Utah. Um, and I think Utah said the same thing about Denver. But I don't, I, I don't think they really knew exactly what they were getting when they got Utah. And after game one, I think – they came into game one extremely confident, but after game one, there was a little bit of doubt, even though they won the game. I think they were like, uh-oh, this, this was hard. Um, and then all of a sudden, game two and three, they're, they look confused at times, and they look like they're self-doubting. And uh, their body language doesn't look great. Uh, it just puts a lot of pressure on the role players and guys to make shots. It becomes very pressurized where the Jazz can now go out and play more free and have fun and lose and like they've been playing. And so it's it's hard if you're if you're Denver right now. But, you know, with that being said, they're good enough and good enough offensively to where they have two guys, Jokic, if he can get it together, and, and Murray, who got it together last night. You know, those guys can flat out beat you if they get on. I want to circle back on what you said earlier, Matt, about uh, Mitchell and his effect on the rest of the team. When you have a guy who's playing the way Mitchell is now, does that, in fact, quite tangibly lift the rest of the team? And do they feel like is the – is this confidence they're feeling? Do they think like, hey, man, uh, we're taking that one game at a time, but we're heading to the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, you know, when you got a guy rolling like that and a superstar, it's kind of like captain of the ship being like, just get on my back, let's go. And, and you're on the shipmate being like, okay, let's roll. Let's do this, Don. I mean, if some of these shots and some of these plays that he's making are just unbelievable. But, you know, when, when Donovan is so confident like that and he's backing it up with the play – and then there really hasn't been – I mean, there's been minutes, you know, in the games where the Jazz have struggled, but there really hadn't been a game where you walk away and been like, wow, that was a – you know, Jazz just couldn't figure that defense out. You know, so I think there's, there's confidence across the board 
of making shots. They're getting wide open looks. There's not, you know, a way that they're thinking that they're going to be stopped. And Donovan's coming back to the bench and being like, they can't stop. Just let's keep going. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost your, your own family. You're in the bubble. You're around each other every day and all day. So you, you know, just like you are in a family when someone's down or someone's sick in a family, everyone's down, right? Well, it's the same thing in a, in a basketball team. When, when everyone's rolling, everyone's feeling great about things. The family's great. And so right now the Jazz family, they, they're sitting pretty. I love, I just, I, I love the, where they are right now. They can't ask for a better situation right now as far as where they are in the series. And he also said he was as, he was more proud of the seven assists than he was the points. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, what's great is he's not a selfish guy. You know, you watch some of these superstars play, and you can see that they need their points, and they go after it. Um, I, I watched Donovan, and, you know, it, certainly he has times, I guess, when, when there's some plays you're like, oh, that's kind of selfish. But overall, like, you, you just you never get that feeling watching him. And I've gotten that feeling with other superstars that they only care about their points. And, and Donovan just makes the basketball play. And, you know, that's hard to teach. And credit to Quinn Snyder and the rest of the, the coach, coaching staff for instilling that, that culture um, in, in, in the Jazz. And then, you know, we talked about it earlier being contagious. If, if your best player is doing that and looking for the open man, then everyone's going to start doing it. And, you know, the hardest guy on the court is, is Donovan when he's willing to pass to the wide-open guy. I mean, the easiest guy to guard is when you know the guy's going to have it, but he's not passing. So you just kind of load your defense up. And, and it's hard for Denver because you can't load your defense up because Donovan's so unselfish. Matt, what has August Mike Conley uh, figured out that November Mike Conley didn't necessarily know? Why does he seem like so much more comfortable now than he did then? I just more time with the Jazz, more time with his teammates. Um, I think the rest actually is very beneficial. You know, the season's a grind. And when you get to the 60 and 70 game mark and you're, you're feeling, your body's feeling, all of a sudden you get four months off. It's, it's, it's pretty much like an off season. Um, and you come back at the end of the year and your legs are back and you feel great. And, you know, Conley, who's getting a little bit older, I mean, that, that's going to benefit him uh, tremendously. If he's back, he can condition his body again and, um, you know, I just think he looks fresh. He looks crisp. There's no injuries. Uh, it's a totally different playoff experience than usual because of the timing of this. Um, plus, I think he's just comfortable. I think Quinn and, and guys, it's the offense, they just know where each other is going to be. Their chemistry is great. The, you know, they use the word connectivity, and I think that's true. They're all connected. Um, it's just fun to watch a team again, you know, and you don't get a team in a lot of sports or a lot of professional sports. And when you watch Utah play and a little bit like Toronto too, and a little bit like Boston, I like those three teams that I watch play. I'm like, you know, these guys, this is a team and teams are hard to beat. How much of an advantage is it, Matt, that the team seems to like each other much was made of the, uh, the temporary rift, or, or if that's what it was, between uh, Donovan and, and Rudy. But I'm not sensing any of that with this team now. I, I could see these guys hanging out at a barbecue together. Absolutely, and I agree with you. I, I just think the, the Donovan is, is too high of character to, you know, hold grudges. I, I think Gobert was a little bit immature in what he did. I think Donovan knew it. He didn't appreciate it. Um, it was vented out. And then, you know, you, then you get, like, who are you as a person? Are you forgivable? Are you the guy that holds grudges? And, and so I think Donovan, again, you go, the Jazz has done a good job going after high-character people. And so I think Gobert knew he messed up, apologized. Donovan said, yeah, I get it, and I accept it. And then you move on because it's about a bigger goal. It's about winning. And, you know, being in a bubble, 
you know, like it or not, you're around each other all the time. Um, but I truly think these guys appreciate each other and they respect each other. And that's the biggest thing. You got to have the respect for one another before you like someone. And I think they appreciate where each of them come from. And I truly do think you're right. At a barbecue, I think they all like each other. They all can hang out and have fun. You think this one's over in five? Um, personally, yes. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I, they could come out and, and get a win, I guess. You know, of course, Denver's good. Um, I do think it would be a close game. I, unless Utah just can't find a way to, to make a shot, you know, they, they've done that a couple times this year where they come out and they've just been ice cold. And that can certainly happen. Um, but if they're playing the way they are right now and they're, they're making shots and they're still shooting 50% from the floor and, and making threes, I, I just don't think Denver has enough. Matt, uh, do you think you would enjoy hanging out at a barbecue with Bowler and Thurl? <laughs> Our broadcasters are like barbecues. I always hang out with Bowler. <laughs> you know, and I, I would. I enjoy. I enjoy uh, Bowler. His perspective, my perspective. You know, it, it's it's fun to. You know, I I joke with Bowler a lot. Um, but you know, when we hang out on the road, we actually hang out an awful lot. And I, it's it it is nice to to. You know, he's been in this business a long time, and I, I have not been in the business, uh, you know, as long, obviously. And so um, he was an integral part of me being comfortable in this business and just being, hey, you know, a guy that I can ask a lot of questions to, which was which is important for me. And, and more about not just the basketball side of it, but just the business side of it. Um, I, and, you know, we make fun of each other, but it's all in fun. And, um, you know, he's one of the nicest guys, really, honestly, that you will ever meet. So, you know, he's a, he's a good partner. It's all but a lim- but but a lemma you wouldn't want to hang out with him, would you? A lemma's funny, man. I I love a lemma. He's <laughs> you know the Jazz. I mean, I'm just saying they 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 do a great job whether it's basketball or whoever it is. I mean they they hire high quality people. You got to give them credit because not I've been with other organizations. That's just not true. Um, on other organizations. Well, Matt, we certainly appreciate you dropping by the show. Thank you very much, and uh, keep up the good work. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Matt. Matt Harpering, AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, of course, uh, we still have the local television coverage for the first round, Gordon. If uh, they move on to the second round, which I think we are expecting at this point them to do, then it goes all national and we'll miss Matt and Bowler and Thurl and Alema. They've done a really great job. Yeah, I was just kidding about Alema. Alema's a really nice guy. Mm, sounded kind of personal to me. What, Did it? What, what's the deal? He's just jealous of me. He's oh. always been jealous of me because of the way I dress. And I see. Okay. You know, right. I mean, he is that can't is that quite why? keep up. <laughs> All right. Coming up next. <laughs> uh, hey, let's get into what's going on around the rest of the NBA because there's storylines galore, and I have a number of things I want to get your thoughts on. So we'll uh, we'll get to that straight ahead. Thanks to Matt Harping for jumping on with us. Chris Mannix will be with us at four. Stay tuned. Ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The zone.
show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. A clean home is a healthy home, and right now Zero Res is cleaning carpets for just $33 per room. Mention Jake from The Zone when you call and get a fourth room for free. Call Zero Res to schedule your cleaning today. Gordon, I want to talk to you about uh, other storylines in the NBA uh, because there are a lot of them. Uh, But uh, right now, we found out in the last segment, Brett Brown has indeed been fired from the 76ers. So that's a good place to start. Here's a um, this just came out a statement from their managing partner, Josh Harris, who says, quote, we are really disappointed and know we let our fans down. It's unacceptable and it's important that we hold ourselves accountable. We're going to uh, be doing a real assessment of how we got here and expect that more changes uh, will need to be made in order to get this organization back on track. This will be cru- a crucial offseason for us, and we need to get it right. Okay, so who said that? Uh, Josh Harris, in a sense, the managing partner, the owner. Okay. It's always easier for the person who is doing the firing to say those kinds of things than for the people who are walking out the door, right? I agree, and I don't think Brett Brown is necessarily a bad coach, but it, how bad of a person am I if I'm really enjoying the disaster that has, <laughs> has become the Philadelphia 76ers? Because you don't like uh, you don't like the process. You don't like the whole Ben Simmons emphasis. No, 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 no. I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I'll tell you exactly why. Okay. Because I, I thought the process was a grand experiment, actually. I, I understood it and was all on board with it. Uh, they did Sam Hinkie wrong. Yeah, they, they did. did that dude dirty, and it was Jerry Colangelo, and it was this political coup for him to get his son a job, and to to watch it crash and burn so gloriously. I I, I somewhere Sam Hinkie is smiling, and I I really appreciate that. If if you call- need a uh, just a real reset on on the story of it all, Sam Hinkie was the GM from San Antonio, who came up with the idea of the process. And just as it was about to turn, just about as it was about to pay off, Jerry Colangelo swoops in, says, I want to be some sort of consultant. And his advice to the Sixers is, hey, you should fire Hickey and hire my kid. And that's what they did. So then Brian Colangelo turns around and uh, trades up for Markel Fultz. Bam! Nailed it. And then his wife is giving out medical information and calling out members of the team, which in some phantom Twitter account, which gets tied to him, he gets fired, throws his wife completely (laughs) under the bus. So then Philadelphia decides decides to hire somebody with zero qualifications. And Elton Brand was a heck of a player, and I'm he went to Duke, so I'm guessing he's probably a pretty sharp dude, but really hadn't done it before. And he proceeds to just squander everything that Sam Hinkie uh, built. Just squander it. And now they're a complete disaster, and somehow Brett Brown is getting the blame today. Well, I, I always feel uh, close in my heart to those fans in Philly. I know they get a bad rap, but they are good fans. And so I, I don't necessarily feel too good for them, but uh, this other stuff is kind of comical when you think about it all. It's uh, hasn't worked out the way they planned. No, and you know Jimmy Butler. I, I've I've tried and yeah, you know, I've talked to you about this before, Gordon. To rethink Jimmy Butler for a second, like maybe he wasn't the problem, and maybe yeah. these disastrous locker rooms that he found himself in were. 
And uh, the the Philly one is really interesting because if you believe some reports, they were willing to max him out and talk to him about it last year. And he basically said, no, like, I'm getting out of here. I'm not putting up with this disaster. And in Minnesota, his biggest complaint were the star players were entitled and they didn't work hard enough. And lo and behold, he looks to be pretty right. Well, there's two different ways of, of going about your business when it comes to this. If you go into a place and you're looking to get out and go somewhere else where it's easier, I, I do have a problem with that. But if you're looking around and you're saying, I, I am working with a bunch of uh, less than competent people, <laughs> nice. that that I understand much, much more clearly. Uh, and, I, and if that's what Jimmy Butler was doing, and you're, you're indicating that that is what he was doing, then then I, I have a lot less problem with it. Because why should you be tied to ineptitude? Right. Right. Especially when he uh, had waited so long to be a free, free agent. And go play for an organization and a coach in a situation you want. Isn't that what everybody talks about? But, you know, back to Philly, you know, Ben Simmons aside, and I, I don't know, you know, if you can be a non-shooter and truly be a superstar in the NBA anymore, and I will see uh, with him. But I wonder what Philadelphia does next, because just, do they do they blow it up? I I don't think you can do it and play the point guard position, or or, or even a guard. If a guard can't hit an outside shot, then what are you doing in today's NBA? Well, and the the good news is, Gordon, is they have maybe the worst salary situation possible. I mean, they have Al Horford, who's going to make $27 million next year. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons is over 30. Joel Embiid's over 30. And Tobias Harris is over $30 million. So what do you do? You fire the coach and hope that that solves everything, even though it won't. Well, you know what they say. Easier to fire the coach than all the players. Well, I don't think right? they can trade. I mean, they're going to have to trade either – Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, because nobody's trading for Al Horford at 27.5 per year <laughs> with three years to go. Yeah, that that signing never really made a whole lot of sense to begin with. No, no, it totally didn't. Al Horford, or excuse me, Tobias Harris, Gordon, you know what he's making next year? 33.5, 36 the year after that, 38.4 the year after that, and 40.9 mm. in 2023, Blech. 2024. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, He's the part of the show that always keeps it uh, economically responsible. Wasn't he like every Jazz fan's number one target last summer? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Philadelphia next year, Gordon, already has $147,066,848 on the books. And by the way, the salary cap isn't going up after all this. No, so you fire the coach. So get rid of the coach. He's the problem. In all honesty, let me let me ask you this: Who would you keep, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? The one who's going to stay healthy. Well, that's not an answer. Who are you, a magic eight ball? <laughs> yeah. How do you know that? I don't know. All I do know is that Jazz fans are enjoying any hardship that Ben Simmons gets because they still hold it against him with the Donovan Mitchell thing. Well, yeah, I think can Brett I, Brown's getting out of this easy, Jake. Can I, I can I have an opinion on this? I won't waffle on this. I won't. I won't. You know. All right, Hercules, go ahead. 
I'll, I'll come in with a with a firm opinion. I would trade Ben Simmons because one, Joel Embiid is a unique player. There aren't any other players like him, which is truly valuable in the NBA. And two, Ben Simmons still has people out there hoodwinked that he's good. So <laughs> you trade you trade the guy that has artificial value, and you keep the guy who has real value. Remember when we used to talk with Chris Mannix, our good friend, who uh, joins us every He'll week? He'll be on the show today. Yep. And he, remember, we, he, he was so high on Ben Simmons. He thought Ben Simmons was so much, uh, I mean, he likes Donovan Mitchell, and I don't want to misrepresent what he said, but he gave the big edge there to Ben Simmons, and I wonder how that's going to work out in the long run. We'll see. Well, I mean... I don't think those two can coexist. Now, Chris wrote about this today, actually, and we'll ask him about it. He thinks that you you rebuild around those two players. But Joel Embiid wants to, wants to have touches, and he wants to have touches in the paint. He's not Tobias Harris. He doesn't want to stand outside and just jack threes. So why isn't it working? Because Ben Simmons' guy just spends all his time guarding Joel Embiid. <laughs> You remember, in, in all seriousness, you remember all, the problem with Andre Karolinko all those years in the playoffs is that nobody on the other team would guard him? And so the rest of the team is playing four on five? That's a thing. Hmm. So, I mean, the the NBA, we talk about this a lot, right? Uh, Quinn Snyder talks about this a lot. The NBA is so much about spacing. It's yeah. so much about getting your best player in space and and a, the ability to go to work in one way or another. So well, think about think about how good the Sixers would be if Ben Simmons could shoot. And you could just let Joel Embiid go to work. Yep. And that pick and roll combo, if you actually had to respect it, would be really good. But Brent Brown, speaking of Brett Brown, he called out Ben Simmons publicly mid year, saying, "I have got to have more three point attempts." from Ben Simmons. I don't even care if he makes them. I need at least three attempts so the other team will know that he is at least willing to shoot it, and Ben Simmons wouldn't do it. I wonder why not. I remember, he... remember all those reports from practices and scrimmages over the summer last year, how Ben Simmons was making everything under the sun, and he was going to prove to everybody that he could hit the outside shot? What happened to that? Because you don't want to really, you don't want to, people to realize what you really are. You know, if you've got a hole in your game, you don't call attention to it. I thought there was video evidence of it. I thought people oh, were please. posting. <laughs> there was video evidence that Markel Fultz was a basketball player too. Hmm. It just goes to show you, and I'm not making a complete comparison here, but. Even those who are paid large amounts of money to get the evaluations right sometimes don't quite understand it. Guess what Ben Simmons went from three this year, Gordon? What? You, you just how many makes to how many attempts? Including the make in the preseason game? Or? No. Okay, no, just so regular let, season. Let me guess that he took 33s? Seven. He took seven threes? He was two of seven. And those were the two first makes of his career. Last year, he was 0 for 6. His rookie year, he was 0 for 11. So 2 for 7 is not a horrible, uh, per, well, it's not good, but it's it's not yeah, but the, totally. What was Rudy from 3 this year? Did he take more than those? <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever look at that type of stuff like, well, I saw some random video from a random <laughs> summer gym that he actually made a shot, you know, and people are making a big deal out of that? Do you ever take were. a step back and go, God, why would that be a big deal? 
you know, and the thing about it was that you would see the shot leave his hand and then it would disappear and then a ball would drop through the hoop. And I had a suspicion somebody was up there catching the ball and then dropping it through. Speaking of uh, speaking of the great Chris Mannix, he did a radio interview with Kobe Bryant, whose birthday was yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the late great Kobe Today's Bryant. Kobe Bryant Day. And uh, he did an interview with with him a couple of years ago, and um, he uh, Chris asked him about Ben Simmons' shot, and you know what Kobe said? He said he needs to break it down and start over. Hmm. Not just work on it, not just, you know, get in the gym and get some shots up in the offseason, but forget everything he knew about shooting the basketball and start over. So he had to do what golfers do and break down their swing and then reinvent their muscle memory. Right. But I would guess that there are other GMs out there who are convinced that that's no big deal, that would be happy to trade for Ben Simmons and give them a... uh, King's ransom. Well, there so are a lot of I things do. that he does well. He plays defense well, and he's tough around the basket. He's tall. He's tall, just like Magic. <laughs> tall. Okay. <laughs> tall for his position. You know. Here we go. What? What? I'm just stating you facts. To, he is tall. He is tall. Magic is also tall. They're both tall. How many championships did Magic win? <laughs> and much like uh, Ben Simmons, Magic didn't want to shoot the three either. Well, nobody was shooting a three back then. They're all excuses. He didn't want to shoot really the mid-range <laughs> or a free throw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do love picking at Magic just to bother you. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, we'll get to more thoughts in the NBA because there's the, we got to talk about Luka Doncic and that, that matchup between the Mavs and the Clippers. As we mentioned, Chris Mannix will be with us at uh, 4. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven five, and twelve eighty. The Zone. Uh, Gordon, I got to tell, tell you, Jake, I'm really enjoying this music. I'm digging the Bee Gees today. Yeah, they're taking me all the way back to the day, man. It Tapping was, the toe. Did you did you don the sequins and the platform shoes and get out there and the, cut the cut the rug? Shoes, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I stayed away from the sequins, but uh, I did. Uh, I did uh, have my time. Gordon with, with like, bell-bottom flare pants, platform oh, yeah. shoes, a sequin vest, but nothing under it. That collar <laughs> open shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah, baby. You could land a plane on on your, my collar. That was, that was, those were the days, man. Just, I, actually, they're no better than they are now, really, from that perspective. But uh, it, well, I did have some fun. Just chest hair bursting forth <laughs> from the shirt. Perfectly quaffed. With the gold chains. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right. I'm taking you back. I, I believe it. Um, Gordon, of course, Donovan Mitchell, one of the, the huge stories in the NBA bubble, the playoffs, uh, scored 50 points twice in a series, one of three players to ever do that. I mean, amazing. But no doubt what Luka Doncic uh, did yesterday with uh, the Mavericks evening the series with the, the Clippers, 135 to 133, uh, 43 points, 17 rebounds, three, uh, 13 assists. I want to I want to get your takeaway from his performance in that game uh, because I think mine might be just a tad bit different. Okay. All right. So what do you think? Well, I don't know. Now I now I want to hear what you're going to say because you're going to say something contrarian. 
No, I don't know about contrarian. And listen, Luka Doncic, he's a generational player. I'm on record saying this. I mean, he's amazing. You can't you can't deny it. And certainly he's he's adding to his lore. But the Clippers should be absolutely embarrassed. <laughs> I don't care how good Luka Doncic is. Did you see the team that the Mavericks fielded yesterday? Kristaps <laughs> yes. Porzingis didn't play. You know who yeah. they replaced him with in the starting lineup? Trey Burke. <laughs> You took the unicorn off the floor, who's seven foot whatever, and, and it's just magic, and you replaced him with a six-foot guy that likes to shoot too much. I mean, it's you know, I like Maxi Kleber. He's a he's a nice developing piece. But if your team's if he's your team's second best player, you have no business, none whatsoever winning a playoff basketball game. The Clippers should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Luka Doncic had 13 assists. I can't believe that team was capable of making 13 shots. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst team I've ever seen. It's just awful, and Luka willed them to victory. What is Doc Rivers doing guarding Luka Doncic for the last shot with Reggie Jackson? Does somebody <laughs> need to remind Doc Rivers that he has Kawhi Leonard on his team? And and by the way, if that's too obvious a move for you, guard him with Paul George. <laughs> what is the matter with you, Reggie Jackson? Reggie Jackson. <laughs> if I needed somebody to shoot too much, I'd call Reggie Jackson's number. But I need somebody to go out there and guard Luka Doncic one on one. Reggie, get out there and, and do your best, Tiger. What are you doing? Kawhi Leonard is on your team. What is the matter with you? The Clippers should be humiliated by losing that basketball game. I don't care how good Luka Doncic is. That team was a G League team with Luka Doncic. And somehow the Clippers that are supposed to be the best team in the playoffs lost? What? (laughs) Well... Okay. Well, I agree with uh, just about everything you said there. See, I'm not so. being contrarian necessarily, and Luca deserves his due, but who was responsible for the outcome of that game? Th- that was the Doc Rivers uh, good try, good effort moment of his career. <laughs> yeah. So what percentage of the time was Kawhi on Luca? I'm not sure. We'd have to because go back. Because he, he did guard him some of the time. I just wonder how much... Do you, what do you, how do you, see, I would go ahead and utilize him throughout the entire game. Now, I know that might hurt you a little offensively because Kawhi's going to get tired doing that, but you can't let Luka go off for 43 or whatever it was. I mean, you, uh, and, and, and then he hits the game-winning shot that was spectacular. I don't care how bad Kawhi Leonard was against Luka Doncic. I don't care if he had 70. If it came down to the last play of the game, and somebody had to guard Luka Doncic, considering the other options that are on the Dallas Maverick team, and you are 100% sure that he is taking the shot. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, hey, Kawhi, take a lap and hit the showers. You've, you've uh, put in your effort today. I'm going to bet on Reggie Jackson. That's crazy. <laughs> that, is, that is insanity. I got to say, though, I, I know you're, you're blaming the Clippers the way you are, but I've got to... Sing some praises here, Doncic. You know, 43, 13, and 17. I mean, that is some playing. I know he had seven turnovers, but, I mean, that, that he is one heck of a player. And I don't know how the Suns feel right now. Well, why, why just the Suns? What about the Kings and the Hawks? <laughs> 
Yeah, if they had a first but, crack at it. But wouldn't you, if you're Doc Rivers, wouldn't you guard Luka Doncic on that last play with the whole team? Because <laughs> what's he going to do? Pass it to Dorian Finley-Smith? <laughs> the Knicks, Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21 points yesterday, and good on him, 8 of 18 shooting. But Tim Hardaway Jr. was included in the Kristaps Porzingis trade as the Knicks begging Dallas to take him. The Knicks said, hey, yeah, we'll let you rip us off for Chris Tapps Porzingis for sure, but you have to take Tim Hardaway Jr. How often do people guard a man at all from where he took that shot from? <laughs> it was the only thing that was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, a, a, uh, a, uh, as, as Austin you know, talks about the, the visually impaired blind people, Easy. A, a, a visually impaired basketball fan would know what, that, what, what was coming on that play. I talk about blind manufacturers, I know. not the I visually know. impaired. Well, I'm next suing time, you for slander. Next time the Clippers are in a, uh, in a tough spot where they need some good defense, so I'm going to text uh, Doc and say, hey, give Jake a call. Al Jefferson, if, if get in there on Luka. That's what it would take <laughs> to say, hey, maybe Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, maybe both those guys at the same time. No, I'm going to put a shorter Reggie Jackson on him that the next time he plays defense will be the first? Great idea. Where are you uh, uh, on Doc Rivers as a head coach? Austin and I were talking about this before the show. Oh, I like him. I think he's all right. I don't think he's the best coach in the league, but I think he's pretty good. He's he's, I think he's probably close to the most overrated coach in the league because he's won championship. See, won a championship. Well, excuse me. I'm, yeah, I'm closer. Can't live, off that, can't live off that forever. I'm closer I mean, to Austin than I am to you on this one, Gordon. I think, really? and that's like uh, our friend Britton Johnson always told me what a great coach Doc Rivers was, mm-hmm. and Britton probably knows far more about the situation, obviously having played for the man than I do, but. I mean, the Boston title, he had a veteran team, and fine, give him give him some credit there. But, I mean, he woefully underachieved with the Clippers with uh, with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, don't you think? Yeah. And DeAndre yeah, that Jordan? That didn't work out so well. Once again, the players were blamed. So if I have to pick between Doc Rivers and Vinny Del Negro, maybe I'm picking <laughs> Doc, but it, it isn't as close, or it's a lot closer than maybe you thought at one time? Uh, I think I'll go ahead with Doc, but you guys go ahead and have your opinion. But but the, the sheer lunacy of guarding Luca with with Reggie Jackson one on one is just yeah. madness. I mean, yeah. I, I get it; the coaches make mistakes, but isn't that just just that's a big one? Isn't that terrible? That's that's a big one. I remember speaking of Kobe Bryant, we talked about him. I remember one night. Uh, Kobe Bryant beat the Jazz with uh, kind of a last second shot, and Jerry Sloan said after the game that, "Hey, I put Andre Karolinko on him." One of the best one-on-one defenders, long. He's the best one we got. I put him out there to, to uh, you know, D up Kobe. He did a good job, but Kobe Bryant just made it, you know? I like, can, can Doc Rivers say that? Like, oh, well, Reggie Jackson was the best defender we got. <laughs> Come on. We saw Andre was a better off-the-ball defender. but I agree, but at that on that particular Jazz team, who was better on the ball? Uh, yeah. uh, Carlos Boozer? Get Memo out there. Memo, go to, go uh, defend Kobe on this last second shot. What do you suppose Trey Burke's dad is tweeting about uh, Trey getting twenty five points on ten of fourteen shooting, four or five from three? Boy, he must be playing on a bad team if somebody let him shoot that much. <laughs> ten of fourteen, four of five from three, five rebounds. Not a whole lot of assists. 
You know, if you're trying wait, to convince wait, he me, he had five that, assists. Uh, wait, he had one assist. I'm sorry. You know, I know he's had a few good games actually in the bubble, but I think if you're still waiting for Trey Burke to be a good NBA basketball player, I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, I, t- I I sort of got the lowdown on Trey when I saw the way he reacted when that chip dude or whatever his teammate was at Michigan who came in and started playing well, and Trey got jealous. Chip What's that dude? guy's name? I don't, I don't remember the story that you're talking about, to be honest. Uh, he was uh, he was the backup, came in and was playing well, and then Trey came in and tried to one-up him. Spike anyway. Albrecht. Oh, What's he, that? Spike Albrecht. Spike, yeah. Spike got one-upped? I know the no, feeling. Trey got one up by Spike. No, Trey tried to one up Spike. Uh-huh. So then yeah. he had to sort of uh, eclipse him. So I'm anyway, the Spike in this scenario, by the way, just to point that out. I would not expect Trey Burke to go 10 of 14 in a playoff game, four or five from three, and score 25 points and be plus 17, which was better than Doncic's plus minus. Well, so. okay, well give Trey Burke the credit then. <laughs> Obviously, he won him the game. Well, I mean, that, here's my point. You got to cover Doncic, but you can't leave Burke unattended. You yeah, know, you can. He's got to go on. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Oh, Coach, you man. left Trey Burke wide open on that play. What were you thinking? Have you seen him play before? No, it, really, the design of the defense should have been to force the ball out of Luca's hands and into Trey's. That should have been their entire game plan. But Trey wasn't in on the on the play. Not on the final. No, I'm just talking about in general. In general. Yeah. So you're thinking they should have exposed Trey Burke? Gordon. Oh, man. Be better. You should be better. I agree. (laughs) You need to be... need to be much better. Or find. Chris Mannix (laughs) is going to join us next. Wow. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.